This episode is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped have kindly agreed to continue sponsoring the podcast from the 1st of February to the 28th of February. Between these dates, you can use our promo code GTM to receive 20% off all products and free worldwide shipping. If you've not heard of Manscaped before, they're now the leading company in male grooming. Their products range from face razors to nose trimmers and their famous lawnmower 3.0, which is a product specifically designed for in and around your nether regions, so you no longer have to worry about snagging the bag. As a listener of Go In The Match, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code GTM. Head over to www.manscaped.com to have a look at all their range of products to grab yourself an absolute bargain. Welcome back to the Go In The Match podcast. Today I'm joined by Keith McDonald's. Kiefer is a match-going Liverpool fan and also a Premier League accredited football writer. Kiefer, thanks for giving me time today, mate, and coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure to be on. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to getting into it all. Okay, so I want you to take us back to your childhood, growing up being a res. Where were you born and how did your love for Liverpool Football Club begin? Uh, so I'm, I'm from Derbyshire. Um, so obviously, probably about 90 minutes from Liverpool. Um, but I'm, I'm quite different, to be fair. Um in terms of that, I, I didn't come from like a match-going family of Reds. So um, at home, it's, it's me, uh, my mum and my brother. Uh, so obviously, my mum wasn't really into football. Um, and then obviously, my brother and me kind of like, it was kind of like left to find our own, you know, entertainment and whatever. And obviously, as, as young lads, you know, everyone has a go at football, don't they? And whatever. And obviously, through Sky Sports and, and whatever, like I say, my, my childhood wasn't going to the match. I, my first match was, I think I must have been about 13 or 14 um, so you know, it was, a, it was a long time to wait, but yeah. So I just grew up with my brother, whatever you know, watching the likes of Gerard, Alonso, all, all of them kind of on TV, and that's kind of that's kind of how I fell in, in in love with Liverpool. What what was it about Liverpool? Would you say that that made like you support them? Because obviously, I've kind of got a very similar thing with living on the Isle of Man. We can kind of really support what we want because there's no, <laughs> no Premier League clubs obviously over here. So, very similar story with me. I always like got an attachment to Liverpool, seeing them on the telly, and then, you know, having a bit of family over there as well. It kind of when you're seeing them and seeing the atmosphere and the ethos of the club that sort yeah. of stood out for me. Is that the same similar to you as well? Would you say? Yeah, definitely. I I, I couldn't pin like one moment like where I thought, oh, you know, loads of people say, oh, it was this, you know, this game or like this moment or you know, I got taken to this match or whatever. I was like, I say, for me, it was just kind of. I don't know. It just kind of feels like it's always been there. Do you know what I mean? For as, as long as I've kind of been aware, if that makes sense. Like as long as I've been watching football, like, like I said, I couldn't define it to one moment. Um, but like you say, it's kind of just, obviously everyone will say the same about their club, you know, oh, it's it's the, it's the perfect club. But I just feel like, you know, Liverpool kind of embodies a lot of, you know, just kind of in societal, societal things as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's just got kind of the right stance on it and a lot of things. Um and and yeah, just kind of the, the club that kind of fitted for me. And you know, like I say, growing growing up now and getting older and whatever, you know, not, never looking back on that decision. <laughs> so, what was the first match you went to that you can remember, and anything you can remember from like your first match day experience? Yeah, so like I say, obviously it was um, it's me and my brother, and my mum, my mum at home. So obviously, kind of got the Liverpool bug off my brother, um, who kind of not did it. He kind of didn't pursue it. Um, so it was kind of like mine and my mum's thing that I kind of like forced, she didn't really have a choice, you know, I kind of yeah. made her watch all, you know, kind of, it was kind of like our thing and, you know, for numerous years we, we always tried to, on the telephone line at 8am on a Monday trying to get tickets and and then um, we, and we just never had any luck as I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to but I think it was 2014, I want to say, I think it was, it was the 0-0 with Blackburn in the FA Cup so it was under Rodgers 
um, which like I must have been, I was 13 or 14, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I, always, I always remember it. the game was on a Sunday and on the Monday, I think, no, it was, yeah, it, it was a fifth round, I think. And um, my mum rang up and, and she got two restricted view tickets. And obviously you get the tickets, you kind of get that adrenaline rush and you're like, oh my, and then you kind of realise they're restricted views and then the worst <laughs> starts running through your head. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh my God, am I going to be able to see it? And, and whatever, but yeah, it was just... Um, I just remember that week was the longest week of my life. Do you know what I mean? Just waiting for that Sunday. And like I said, it was only an FA Cup game. So I imagine a lot of people jibbed it off, you know, you know, probably probably the one where they save money and they think, oh, I'll leave that one today. Um, but yeah, I just remember going, um, like I said, going with my mum. We went up to Anfield. must have been like a four o'clock kickoff or something. We got there quite early and you kind of just do all, all the things, you know, kind of gobsmacked for most of it. Um, and then it's just kind of that. Thing of you know walking walking as we was in the old main stand um right by the Annie Road so um just kind of thing you know you walk up and you see the, the green grass and you, and you see the pitch and you know you kind of just see some of the players that you've been watching on TV and just kind of thing of football's real then do you know what I mean it's not a TV program because for the majority of my childhood it, it was as, as sad as it is to kind of say like you know it was always kind of never reachable like it was never oh I, I'd never thought I'd I've never thought I'd do some of the things that I've done since but I certainly didn't think I would uh, you know, be going to a, like it, you know what I mean. When you go to your first game, it's kind of like you can't describe it, can you? I'm sure it's obviously the same for you and a, a lot of people listening. Yeah, I mean, something I was probably going to touch on then. I wasn't even going to ask this, but you mentioned like going in 2014. What What would you say? Obviously, we've had the main stand change now. What was yeah. your sort of reactions going to Anfield then compared to now in terms of the stage yeah. itself? What What What's like? Yeah, so obviously it's gone. Obviously, like it was. Um, um, yeah, so obviously 2016 when it when it got done, uh, the main stands and obviously I'd been in there a couple of times for the Europa League run and then the Kiev run, I think that was a new main stand. I, I was in there for the Auto Cup. Um, but yeah, it was just, just massive. I think it was massive for the club at the time because obviously there's a capacity issue at the minute anyway with the, the 55,000. So, you know, to think a couple of years ago it was 44,000. It's quite, you know, crazy to think really. Um, but yeah, there was just something about the, the, the main stand, like I say, I've been fortunate to go to a lot of grounds, but you know, I think football and a new a lot of new uh, a lot of the new football grounds, like you know, Tottenham's, your West Ham's, they just kind of feel soulless. And I don't think Liverpool, the main obviously it's only the main stand, but I don't think it has that. Certainly has a corporate feel to it. Don't get me wrong, it, everything feels a bit. Mm. You know, it's probably not your first choice to stand to be in, but I don't think it's kind of lost the element of the club, if that makes sense. I don't think they've completely gone against everything but yeah it's um the old mate obviously I'm sure you've been in it it was a uh, it was really it was it was really great to be fair yeah I've I, I been mean, I asked that because I remember going like for my first matches obviously I was so I went in like 2006 for my first game and seeing the main stand then compared to what it is now um and I mean I was watching at the end of the storm the documentary that they've obviously just done on us winning the league and then they show clips in there of going up to the tunnel and seeing what it what what it was like. And I, it took me back to just actually when I first started going. I was like, yeah. times have properly changed, haven't they? So yeah. it is strange when you watch documentaries like that and you go, that's what it was like. Obviously, I think like much like yourself, like not moving to another ground to another place has been such mm. a great decision by the football. Yeah. Um, but it is a bit of an interesting conversation, isn't it? I think definitely as well, like you say, um, the probably the only gutting thing is probably like the tunnel. Like I know the new tunnel is like fantastic and whatever, but 
There's just something about those old compact tunnels, you know, like the ones you've had at Highbury and, and whatever. Do you know, just this, I think Goodison's a very, a very small tunnel. It's very all on top of you. I just, there's just something as a bit of a, as a football purist that, you know, is just so great about, you know, that the kind of tunnel and the way it kind of brought up and everything. But I mean, this one's just as, just as good anyway. Like an intimidation factor. Isn't yeah. It? So what does the standard match still look like for yourself now? Because obviously, as we discussed, like from, for me coming from the Isle of Man, you know, me and my mates, we probably have a certain routine in terms of pubs that we'll go to when we get off the boat, you know, depending on what time kickoff is. So do you have a certain routine yourself? Yeah, like it's similar to you kind of thing, depending on what time it is. But kind of if we just take a 3pm, for example, um, it would kind of be, so we'd go into town, obviously I live in Manchester, so I'd get the train to Liverpool. Um, and then there's kind of about 10 of us um, the lads that do the European away so there's, there's Matty Johnson and whatever and we kind of go to McHale's in town which is just on Lime Street and Dash has been our bar for like the past kind of you know good couple of years and we just always go in there we'll watch it we'll be there for like 11.30 you know and then watch the early kickoff and then probably stay there till about 2 then go to the ground have another pint in like the church or the 12th man and then you know probably go in about quarter 10 to 3 kind of thing um, but obviously, if it's a five thirty, they're honestly hands down the best kickoff times. Um, you know, so you've got you've got the whole day on the ale. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, superb. And then obviously, you come back into town and and everywhere's karaoke, disco. You know, so they're, they're just fantastic. The five thirties. So obviously, like obviously, the situation we're in now with COVID, obviously can't go to the matches and stuff. Yeah. Talking about the match day though, your routine and everything is that something yeah. you probably miss just as much as going. Oh to yeah. Like, I think, like I say, I was speaking before we went live just about, you know, the kind of, not the buzz has gone this season, but obviously it's quite hard to replicate as like a match-going fan, that, that yeah. buzz around the field. And like I say, it must be the same for the players. You know, you've seen a lot of freak results this season. Um, but just as big as the thing is that, you know, the social element of it, you know, seeing your mates and especially in a time, like you say, at the minute where it's literally gone from, you know, last this time last year, you can go out and do anything to, you know, you can't even mix with some households now. It's kind of, you know, a lot of people, football was their kind of, you know, for a lot of young men as well, football was their kind of, you know, yeah. thing. And I know a lot of people who have struggled with it. And, and and I think it's a collective. Like I say, a lot of people have felt the same because I don't think you can replicate that, you know, that that feeling you get at football. You know, there's just something about it, isn't there? You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you go on your own or you go with five mates. It's just kind of that feeling of like everything. And as cliche as it is, for a lot of people, like everything's just forgotten for those 90 minutes. Yeah. And it's kind of like every. Like it, the world just stops, doesn't it? Um, and like now, obviously, it's something to obviously look forward to as well. Like for, my, yeah. for myself, like you know, working all week and you know you're going to go to the yeah. match on Saturday, it's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, like especially for me, like as I've been at university, it's always been like it's never to me, it's never been like the 17th or the 24th. It's always like, right, if I get this week done, then it's then it's Wolves at home, then it's Chelsea away, do you know what I mean? And then it's oh, it's PSG, do you know what I mean? It's I always, I've always used it as a bit of like a a thing to look forward to and you kind of breaks down your week like you say and for a lot of people like I say I imagine they're missing it terribly which is you know I can't see us being back in grounds in 2021 as sad as it is to say especially at full capacity you know we might see a couple of thousand towards the back end of the year um, but you know certainly hopefully this time next year things are looking a bit more normal and that kind of you know match day routine because even like I say at the minute you can't even go well especially in, here in England you can't even go in the pub and watch it you know you can't even watch it with your mates you can't mix households so it's like you've literally got the match for 90 minutes and then you turn your telly off and you, you go and cut your tea do you know what I mean there's nothing else to do yeah the social element's gone of it and I suppose we'll probably, I think I think we could probably all say we probably took it for granted didn't we that's oh 
Well, I was saying to you again for, before we went live, the Atletico Madrid game, there was a few murmurs that you know thought he was going to you know, come to an end the next day or whatever. And I remember I said to my brother, I was like, you know, there's, if there's one thing in the world that will never, ever stop, it'll be football because it's, you know, and I was like, football clubs rely on money. For, I never thought I would see football be played behind closed doors, you know, bar like, you know, racist incidents or like where clubs have been punished. But in like terms of a normality, I never thought behind closed doors football would be, would be the same. So it's um, like I say, hopefully next year, you know, it's as long as, long away as it is. Um, it's a bit more normal, but like I say, it's just in general, like I think that's why you've seen so many mad results this season. You know, the Villa 7-2, I don't think that happens. You know, yeah. the, the United 6-1 at Old Trafford with Spurs, I don't think that happens. And then it's like, even like the 0-0 with uh, United at Anfield, I don't think that, I don't think that's a 0-0. You know, our record against the top six, you know, Anfield in the past kind of four or five years has been phenomenal do you know what I mean like it's just yeah it's just it's not great is it so I know you've done your fair share of away days over the years yes. got any particular grounds that you've enjoyed going to um yeah so to start domestically um Southampton Southampton's always a good one uh like the Leicester kind of Burnley they're, they're kind of good ones I think because obviously what's happened we've been obviously um the Shakiri one we had the other year that was that was a free one that was, that was decent like I say Leicester Leicester was fantastic. They done it a few times, but the the Boxing Day one, the other year one, Trent was just played out of his skin. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? That was just there was just something about that night. But obviously, then in terms of going, you know, I know you've done a few of the European ones. Um, probably like the favorite, my favorite ground I've been to is probably Bayern Munich, yeah. because for me, like I said, you know, growing up watching footy on the telly to like be stood outside the Allianz and then stood inside it, it's kind of a bit of a, a pinch me moment. Do you know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of like you know, Jesus. How do, how does um, the European aways compare to the domestic aways for you? What's your um, obviously to be fair? Obviously, like the, the domestic aways are kind of great now because obviously we're doing so well. They were great, you know, but as we were going the match, um, you know, we were doing so well, and you know, they were still sought after. Do you know what I mean? But I think the European aways, I think, I don't know. It's just kind of the element of it. It's just something different because you know you can do. The, the league aways and the domestic aways a couple of times, you know what I mean? A few times a season in the cups and and whatever. But there's just something about the European, it's just different. You know, you get you get a local boozer there and you kind of you know stay the day in there. And then, you know, you might do two nights or three nights or whatever. Um I remember we did um when we did Barcelona, we did I think we did three nights. Yeah. Certainly when we did the final, we did we did four or five nights and that was just like, okay, there's a, there's a point where you miss your own bed. <laughs> but there's, there's, you know, I mean, there's just like it's just like a lad's holiday. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the best way I compare it to. It's just you get up, ailed, go to bed, ailed. Do you know what I mean? There's just everything that you'd want from football. And then at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, you know, if Liverpool win, it's uh, it tops it off. But I mean, if they don't, it doesn't ruin your day or your your trip. Do you know what I mean? You just get back on the ale. Like like Keith Salmon said in our first episode, there's nothing better than watching Liverpool win in Europe. And I I'd no, say- nothing. I say the same with you. I think like the Europeans, you just end up going on some mad adventure, and it's yeah. like, end up going to some places that are just mad. So like, when we did Roma away, so we'd gone from the Isle of Man to Manchester, Manchester to Bulgaria. We were in Bulgaria for like two hours, Bulgaria to Rome, and it was like just to save about fifty quid. But we just end up yeah, that's it. You never, you know, we never would have gone to Bulgaria if it wasn't for that route. And then on the way back, we did like Roma to Lisbon. We had like a <laughs> night out in Lisbon, and then like three hours later, got a plane to Manchester. It's like you just end up on. You wouldn't do those on a domestics, would you? 
I remember I was trying to explain it to my mum once. She said to me, um, I think it was, I think, it was, I think one of them we went by Dublin. I can't remember which one. And she said to me, she was like, Dublin's the complete opposite way to where you go in. She was like, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I know. And she was like, why are you doing that then? And I was like, well, it says about £12.50. Do you know what I mean? Like, it all adds up, it doesn't it? It's beer tokens. But yeah, it's just, it's just mad. I remember when we did, did the final, there was a few of us. And um, on the way back, we went uh, Madrid, uh, then Faro in Portugal. And then we did, there to, to Dublin and then Dublin to Manchester. Um, but when we were in Portugal and we had we must have had about an hour and 30 minutes and this lad was like, oh, there's, there's a really nice beach around the corner. He's like, we'll go there for a bit. Anyway, he ends up saying it's a five-minute walk. It, was, it wasn't a five-minute walk, it was about 25-minute drive. So we ended up getting Uber. We, we must have been on the beach for about 35 seconds. We get on the beach, son, do you know what I mean? And then as soon as like, we got there, it was time to go. And it was just like, we are just in this middle of the beach in, in Portugal. It was just like, how are we here? Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just mad. Like... <laughs> But then again, the domestics, you know, they're just as good. And obviously, you say like domestically, yeah. we're so much better now. But yeah, I'd say like for the majority of the domestic ways I've done, we've lost, but we've had a great, great time because, yeah, you know, like doing Burnley, like you mentioned there, like the away ground, it's in a cricket club. It's like, it's yeah, like, the cricket club is good. Shout out to the cricket club. The cricket club is great. It's crazy, isn't it? But you just wouldn't expect that. So, like, the domestics are just as good. But, yeah, especially if you get the training, like it's just especially all the coaches are quite good. I remember last year we done done West Ham and I went with my mate and his and his dad on on like uh, it was a coach, it was like three coaches combined. So it was some other spying cop lads, and it was just like, yeah, it was Spirit of Strength, I think was on there as well. It was honestly I, the worst part of it was the match, even though we won two 0 or something, it was like I just wanted to get back on the ale, do you know what I mean? It was uh, just fantastic. And that's what you miss, you know, you miss the coach journeys where everyone's singing along and you know, especially last season when it was like every week it was like twenty five points clear, twenty points clear, do you know what I mean? It was just it was just great. So you talk talking about away days and stuff there. What's the sort of like maddest story you can give us from those See, when, when you sent me through these questions, I laughed at this one, and I'm not sure. I'm, I would be surprised if you haven't seen it, but it was um, it was actually only done after Let's Come and Do Away, um, <laughs> and I, I went with a lad called Ellis, and um, so me and him flew out on the day. I think um, I went with another lad called Jimmy, and um, and so basically we went in the in the, the square of Madrid, I can't remember what it's called. Um, and we were in there, the Plaza Mayor actually it's called, and we were in there all day, you know, everyone's boozing, whatever. And honestly, it must have been, we went to this shop and it was, it must have been about a euro for a pint can. So obviously we just wiped the shop clean, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, before you know it, it's kickoff. And I remember we were going to the ground and then someone starts cracking open a bottle of pink gin. I was like, oh, sure, <laughs> as you do. We're necking that down. And honestly, I've never felt so ill in my life. And um, anyway, as it as it happened, so we get into the ground, and you know, I was an absolute state, and uh, <laughs> and so I got into the ground. It must be about twenty minutes before kickoff, so I've kind of just sat on my chair and closed my eyes. And Ellis has caught me like, having a having a kick inside the ground, like you know, everyone's it's so loud in the ground, but I was just I was just in that state, you know, where you can kick anywhere. Anyway, so he, he films it, whatever, and he shows it me, and I was like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. And then we're on the metro back, and he goes, I'm putting this on Twitter. And I was like, I was like, like you there kind of thing. Anyway, we get off the metro at the other end, and it must have already had about hundred likes, and it ended up getting forty-five thousand views on Twitter. <laughs> just this video of me like falling a kit, and like my mum's ended up seeing it at work. I don't know how it like it just went. Like, it was just one of those things that just went so viral. And I remember my mum was like saying to me, she's like, "How have you done that?" And I was like, "I don't know." Like I, th- I thought it was fully going to go on like some 
some like lad Bible things, you know, I thought they were going to pick up on it or something, but luckily they never. But yeah, I looked at it this morning because I saw your question. I think it ended up with 45,000 views, which, you know, I mean, can nearly fill Anfield once over. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've, I've seen it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Uh, Honestly, I mentioned that now, it was just crazy. It was just like, because I, I don't know, you just lose track. Don't that on the Europeans, you just kind of let yourself go, don't you? They're just like holiday. And as it stands, I think that was the last away I did. No, I did Chelsea in the cup, but like the last prop, like last European away I probably do for a couple of years now till, till the workers start functioning. So at least I made the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what something I wanted to get your thoughts on was the, uh, the atmosphere in the ground. So, obviously, the last like five seasons, obviously, it was being successful in the clock. Yeah, that brings a great atmosphere into the ground naturally. We you know things such as um, you know the boss nights that we've had, uh, what the Scott, the Spy and Cop lads are doing as well, um, bringing more flags onto the cop, Jamie Webster as well. All these things have sort of made going to the match such a better experience, and it's sort of enhanced the atmosphere into the ground and probably what you'd say it was in maybe 2010, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a time where we'd go to the matches and it'd be a half 12 kickoff against Burnley on a Sunday and it'd be like a morgue, you know, it'd be dead. Yeah. Where yeah. most games now, the atmosphere, not even in the ground, but in and around the ground is, is great as well. What's your thoughts on how that's transitioned in terms of the atmosphere, what it was like to what it is now? Yeah, like, obviously, as I say, I can't, like, speak massively about what it was like, you know, as growing up as a kid, because like I say I've, I, only, I only went, but... You know, even like you say, the, the under under Rogers and kind of, you know, you just speak to people and they say, you know, the whole one, the whole Gillette and Hicks thing was going off. Um, even like you say, 20, 2009, 2010 kind of thing. The atmosphere felt quite toxic, you know, boycotts, you know, whatever people, people march out. Even the, the 77 uh, walkout in 2017, I think it was. Um, so, you know, it was quite a toxic place to be um, at times. And like you say, Anfield will be like a morgue on a, on a Sunday at 12.30 or, you know, even a Saturday early kick even a Saturday three o'clock and, you know, people, I don't think people are enjoying it, but I think what the, obviously what the, the spying cop lads have done and you know, the, the, um, the boss nights, you know, Dan Nicholson and, and Jamie Webster and, and all them, I think they've just kind of made it like, you're not, they've made it just like, you're not relying on the match anymore, like to have a good time because they've made it more of a social, like you've always had the pub and, you know, going into the pub and whatever, you know, with, whether you win or not. But I think they've kind of just created a bit of a culture. And obviously Liverpool's culture has always been quite unique, hasn't it? But just like I didn't, you know, even like the Jamie Webster story, it's, you know, it's fantastic, isn't it? Like he's, he's a local lad, he's done the away, he's, you know, he's on the coach and, and now he's like producing a career in music because of, you know, he played at a few gigs at, at you know, Boss Night and, you know, he got himself noticed. Yeah. And it's just kind of stuff like that. And, you know, like I say, even, even you know, spying cop lads with what they've done with the flags, um, you know, just getting more young lads involved. You know, I've done it a few times on the waivers. And like I say, it's just getting more people involved and getting more people what it's about and, and the culture of it all. And I think, again, obviously it helps always on the pitch, you know, if, if Liverpool are playing well. Um, but I think especially even the whole Klopp thing, obviously he's come from Germany and even at the, at the start when he came in in 2016, 2015, whenever it was, um, you know, he, he kind of he kind of gives us a rocket up, up an arse at times, you know what I mean? Like in terms of, you know, I think there was the Crystal Palace game. I think we lost that. And I think people we were two on down and people were leaving on like, you know, 82. Yeah. And it kind of said, and that's where the whole West Brom thing comes from, you know, the 2-2, doesn't it? Where, you know, the week later, I think we're two, two on down in the 90th minute and Origi scores that goal. And it's kind of like, you know, well, thanks for staying. That was for you. Yeah. And, um, you know, Klopp's definitely 
played a huge part in that. Even stuff at the end, you know, when he does the fist bumps and he comes to the comes to the, the cop and does the fist bumps, it's just kind of it makes you feel involved and it makes you feel a massive part of it. And that's all stems from the likes of Boss Knights and Spying Cop because it's made it an enjoyable place to go again. If if that kind of you know yeah. makes sense. Is that is that being like obviously like you've said like going since 2014, the days under Roger. Yeah. Now is that almost been? I wouldn't say a more important thing than Klopp, but is yeah. that something that if we didn't have the boss night, we didn't have the lads doing what they are spying cop, would, yeah. that, would that make your experience as a fan less? I think so. I think so. I think so. Yeah, because it's kind of like the glue that holds it all together. Like you know, you've got your fans and you and you've got you know the team doing well on the pitch, but there's something that kind of fuses them together. Mm. And I think it's like I say, that experience of of making the match an enjoyable place to go. And like I say. People want to go to these boss nights, so they socialise with their mates, but it's everyone under one roof, mm. you know, whether whether you kind of win or we lose, it's kind of it's that kind of feeling of unity, which is something that Liverpool, as cliche as it is, like you've always had the 12 man thing, do you know what I mean? But it's kind of it does speak volumes, doesn't it? Like that that's all happened. And obviously, yes, we've we've been so successful, but there's been times where you know, we haven't been as successful in the last couple of years and there's been bad results, whatever. And, and people go to the boss nights and, and they forget about it. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. you know, they're doing the, it's just, yeah, it's just been, um, I think it's been a, played a massive, massive part in, in the atmosphere and that ultimately uh, plays a part in the results, doesn't it? Something else I wanted to touch on was uh, the ticket and obviously we've got a Liverpool. So now, yeah. you know, like myself, you've got a members card as well. And we, we both know how difficult it is to get on that ladder for season tickets and aways. Wanted to get into the conversation about touting. Now it's a bit of a, it's a sticky one, isn't it? Is it a bit of a we're opening opening the camp to win <laughs> scenario? But you know, I think it's something that does need to be discussed probably a little bit more yeah. around the club, and not even just Liverpool, but maybe just the yeah. big teams. You know, I've, I've had different um, different guests on this podcast from different clubs, and it does seem to be you, you top six that have this problem because you've got tourists, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it is a big thing like we talk about. And listen, I'm no, I'm no saying I've bought ticket off tout before. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, like you say, it's so hard to get tickets for the away games. And you know a game that you want to go to, you'll do anything you can to get there. Yeah. But what, what's your thoughts on touting in general? And what do you think the club could do better to stomp it out? I mean, it's like I say, it's, it's such a difficult one. But like to be fair to the club, and obviously when like Peter Moore came in and that, I know that was a massive kind of part of his job, you know, whether yeah. it had any success or not, but, you know, they've brought a lot of kind of hurdles in to, to kind of prevent as much talent as possible. Obviously they do need to know who's in the ground, don't they? In case of, you know, God forbid anything bad happens, they need to have a record. So I think they've done obviously the season ticket amnesty and, you know, allowed people to change names, but so I listened to the James Pierce one and he was spot on with it. He said, you know, if you have a season ticket and, and you decide, you know, you can't you can't afford to go or you don't want to go or whatever, you're not going to give it back to the club or there's going to be a very few number of people who give a season ticket back to the club. You're either going to, you know, especially especially with um, the the, uh, the Premier League last year, you know, as, as we were doing well, people were getting, I know people getting season tickets they've used for five, six, seven years, you know, taken off them. The fellow was like, you know, oh, oh, I'm going to this game now, we're doing well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's such a, like you say, with the aways as well, as, as a young lad, it's 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 hard to get tickets. Obviously, I, I'm lucky that, you know, I have people that look after me in a sense. And obviously, I have quite a lot of my own credits, but not with, for the aways and that. But it's, I, like you say, it's a problem. I, I have mates, United season ticket holders, City season ticket holders, and they say it's all the same. You always have to pay over the odds because... Yeah. You can never get onto that ladder, and I would hate that to be my job to decide how you open that ladder because 
it's nigh on impossible because you've got people who have been going for you know 40 50 years and then you can't all of a sudden just say oh to make it fair because we're gonna give you less season ticket uh, like less away uh, tickets and give like i don't know 100 tickets to like just season ticket holders with no credits it's such a difficult way yeah. and especially you know with the supply and demand of liverpool at the minute and you know top clubs and it's um you know because of how well we're doing you're always going to have that demand so for touts it's kind of like a um kind of like a perfect world because they're always going to if you don't buy a ticket off a tout so you know if you stick to your morals and say oh i'm not buying that ticket i'm going to hold out and pay face value it'll just sell it to someone else do you know what I mean? So you're not really, you might think that you're being good, but you're not even stopping the problem. Yeah. Um, the only, the only, <laughs> the only, the kind of thing that I can see maybe having a big effect is the COVID-19 thing. You know, if they do a lot, of, I know a lot of places like Ticketmaster and those kind of places are on about doing um, kind of like e-passport. So you've got to prove, you know, if you've had the vaccine or you've had a negative test or whatever, you know, I think one Anfield it reopened in December, they, um, yeah, you had to kind of, it was a ticket on your phone, wasn't it? And you had to go in that way and you had to prove who you were. Yeah. So I think that could kind of maybe a hindrance for touts and you could maybe see something that changes it because ultimately the world's going to be completely different when we go back to football, you know, with COVID, you know, the track and trace, they're going to have to know who's in the ground. You can't just, you know, go to the, the Shankly statue and pick up a ticket for 100 quid now. Do you know what I mean? You're going to have to get it through an official source. So. Like I said, I'd, I'd hate for it to be my job. You know, whoever is in the ticket office now who's thinking of a solution, you know, I wish them all the best because no matter which which avenue you go down, you're always going to annoy people. You're always going to make enemies and, and whatever. So it's, it's a fairly difficult one. It could be uh, the only possible we probably get out of COVID, to be fair. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, if it, if it makes you a way to get slightly easier, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's like you say, probably the only positive so obviously, in recent years, under Klopp, it's been some of the best time following the Reds, winning the Champions League and obviously putting an end to the 30-year wait, winning the Premier League. Obviously, being from the Isle of Man, me and my mates, were, you know, we're lucky enough to be, weren't lucky enough to be in the city and, you know, seeing, obviously, all you, all you lot all celebrating outside Anfield and the emotions throughout the night after Chelsea beat City, um, you know... I've got to admit, seeing all that content over social media, you know, obviously I was made up to win the league that night, but it was a massive part of me that was just so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> seeing all you lot, you know, partying and being at Anfield because, you know, f- being following Liverpool since I was like 10, going to the matches, I've dreamt of us winning the league. You know, all my mates have been exactly the same mindset as us. Just dreamt of it and, you know, obviously... For all Liverpool fans, it's not we've not won the league in the way that we would have all wished. Yeah. Um, but you know, not being there, not being at the ground, mm. just outside the ground, that was still heartbreaking for me personally. But what was that like experience for yourself? Was it? Was it? Yeah, it was. I, I didn't. I didn't get to the um, to Anfield tonight. The, the night we officially won it, but I got to the night then we did, when we done the, the trophy lift. So when when we beat Chelsea five three, and that was just. Anfield was absolutely rammed, obviously, because you've got people who should be, you know, you've got probably 40,000 people who should be in the ground, obviously. Yeah. You know, they're all outside Anfield. It was just, it was just bedlam, man. It was just, it was just such an over, overriding feeling of joy amongst people. It was, you know, and like for a lot of the people, we hadn't, like, especially for me, I hadn't seen most of my mates who I go to the match with since yeah. the Athletic Madrid game. 
So it was like the first time, I, you know, a lot of them had been on this journey with, you know, the last couple of years, you know, Kiev, you know, Madrid, all these seasons. And and then to, to finally kind of see them the night that we lift the Premier League. Yes, it obviously was gutting, you know, when you, there's a part of you, even when Henderson lifted it, it's just like dying inside because you just, even just for him, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, they there's players that will move on by the time we next win the league, you know, it would have been nice for them to kind of have that and kind of close that off. Um but just being outside the ground, it was like I say, it was just there was just something in the air. It was just magic, do you know what I mean? It was just, you know, everyone was there, like I say, familiar faces. You were bumping into everyone. Everyone was having a good time. And obviously with the whole COVID situation, it was just kind of felt like a bit of normality mm. in that kind of summer. Do you know what I mean? Like just that that one night of that normality. Um, like I say, I, I was gutted the night we won it and I was in Anfield. Um, but like I say, it was kind of nice for me because... Um, I was at home with my mum and my brother. And obviously, my mum, you know, kind of who I first went to my first game with, she kind of took me. And, you know, that's kind of how I went my early years with my mum. And then my brother, obviously, kind of gave me the bug. It was nice to kind of celebrate with them because I've never had that. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've never been able to really celebrate because a lot of times I'm at the match, especially like Madrid. You know, I was over in, I was in the ground when we won it. Do you know what I mean? And I text my mum, my mum texts me and whatever. She was watching it, but it wasn't the same. Yeah. So that was kind of the silver lining of it. It was nice because I, I doubt I'll ever have that again. So it was nice to kind of spend it at home with my mum and my brother. You touched on Madrid there, obviously won the Champions League final. Yeah. How does that night of elation compare to the Premier League? You know, Madrid, I, I was in Madrid, didn't get, wasn't lucky enough to get a ticket, but I was in there watching it. And, you know, even yeah. after in, in the streets were in, unreal. So, what was it like in the ground? Yeah, Madrid was just, I don't know, like it was, I, I've always kind of preferred the European Cup and like something again, I don't know if it's exclusively to Liverpool, but there's just something about the European Cup and I talked to my mates who support City or, you know, United and they don't really get that. They're always like, the league is the, kind of the be all and end all for them. Um, but for me, you know, I'd die for the European Cup. Do you know what I mean? It's it like the affinity that Liverpool has with it and, you know, growing up, you kind of, that's kind of what you, you see, don't you? You see just like photos and videos of, of yesteryear of when, you know, Rome, you know, Paris, you know, Istanbul, you see all these and you just think, and, you know, even a couple of years ago, you think we're millions of miles away from it. Um, so Madrid for me was just, I don't, like, personally, I don't think I'll ever get topped just because that moment when Origi put the ball, I, I was like, I was the third tier, I think, um, like right in that corner. And honestly, it was just, the way that was just lifted off my shoulders, like, you know, I can't imagine what was lifted off their shoulders when, when that went in, but it was just, you can't describe what it was like that night. And like you say, the streets after in Madrid, you know, I think we was, we was out till like six or seven in the morning. Everyone was, like I say, it was just a big party, wasn't it? You know, everyone was there, you knew from the match, you know, whether you got in or not, everyone was just so happy to to finally get that, that trophy. There was some party, mate, because we, oh. yeah, we were supposed to be getting trained back from Madrid to Valencia. And then we went to the wrong train station and we had to get, we were stuck. Some of our mates that we were actually at the match with, they'd got yeah. Liverpool in time for the parade and we hadn't even got out of Madrid yet. We were still in Madrid. We were supposed to be at Valencia. It was just like... Well, we, I think we did, we went on the Thursday and we came back on the Monday. So I remember we went to bed at like, we went to bed at like eight on the Sunday morning and then we kind of woke up at like four and I remember obviously we, we, one of us was just had mid, the the parade on the phone and we kind of all that like, hung over like looking at it um and then like, it was I think I got home on the Wednesday um because I just by doing leg 
into the trip and I, it was like it was like a good holiday do you know what I mean it was seven I'd got I was gone for seven or eight days um but like you say it was it was just like fantastic and even like you know people who didn't go and, and they had the um the parade back home I know a few lads who, who just didn't get tickets and they didn't want to go out but just to have that parade you know what I mean that was for them that was like their kind of thing because everyone the lucky people had Barcelona I know a lot of people said for them that night it was one do you know what I mean? Like they didn't need Madrid, well, they obviously, you know, but Barcelona was like the night that wouldn't stop it. Um, and then for the people, obviously, you stayed and 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 stayed in Liverpool. Um, you know, they got the parade. So I kind of think everyone kind of won with that. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, the introduction of the pod, we obviously a Premier League credited football writer. I know that's uh, that's something pretty recent as well for you. Um, is that something you've always wanted to do? Go into that media side of things, and how much you enjoy doing that? I'd love you to repeat that Premier League accredited right. That sounded fantastic. Um, yeah, no, it's um, it's just something that's come about probably in the last kind of couple of months. Um, so I'm I'm doing sports journalism at, at uni, um, and so yeah, I've just kind of combined you know Liverpool and kind of my degree, and it's kind of just seen where it's taken me. Yeah. Um, and I've done like you know I've done some really cool things. I've, Done a placement at the Echo in first year of uni. That was 2018. With that was with James Pearson, Ian Doyle, um, you know, top top journalist for Liverpool. And it was, that was just like surreal. That was, you know, I went to Cox Press Conference, and again, that was there's a photo of me when I'm putting my phone on his desk, and I'm just there, like looking in his eyes. Like, I'm just starstruck. Like, I don't really get starstruck, you know. But for me, that was like one clock walked through the door at Melwood, and he's there. And not, it's just like the fact that he's real. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you think you'll never think you'll come into contact with him, but. You know, that was just for me. That was like the time I knew that I wanted to do media, um, and I've done like stuff with the Anfield Rap Lads. Um, did that last year, um, and then like even more recently, I've covered the women's game at Anfield. Uh, that was a Merseyside derby Anfield last year, and that was in the Anfield press box, and that was like again a pinch me moment. Um, and then obviously this year I've gained my accreditation from the, the Premier League and, and the EFL, so I've, I've been lucky enough, been one of the lucky few to get into grounds behind closed doors. Um, I mean, it's it's quite a grim experience, but it's also a very like privileged position. Yeah. You know, I, I do think I'm, I'm very lucky, and and you know, fingers crossed that it's uh, the start of like what I'll be doing for kind of the foreseeable future. So, so what's the sort of end goal for you that you probably look at? You probably look at people like James Pierce working for the Athletic, and you know, all the lads working at the Echo. Is that like your, you know, yeah, the target? That's that's the goal. Yeah, to to. So whenever when anyone ever asks me, I always say to be paid to watch Liverpool or to be paid to write about Liverpool. And like you know, the day I get that first piece of money for writing about Liverpool, I think right, you know, I'm doing something right. But yeah, um, yeah that's that's probably the end goal to to do something you know alongside that report on Liverpool or whatever, and or even just take it in different directions. Like you know, a, a mutual friend of ours is, is Keith Salmon, and obviously you know he's done his book, hasn't he? And yeah. you know, he's been he's been someone who's been you know absolutely top with me. Um, I think. First time I messaged him would have been like 2018. I remember I bought his book and I messaged him and I was just <laughs> ecstatic to get a reply from him. Um, and then ever since then, I've, I've just become, you know, really good friends with him. He's, he's, you know, he's got his little lad, Charlie, hasn't he? And, you know, I've, I've seen them about whatever. And, um, you know, like I said, I said to you in the intro, didn't I? Like Twitter is like, it's not a great place at times. It can be quite toxic, but for what I've done and obviously it'd be the same for you with your podcast it's it's great for exposure and you know there is actually some really decent people on there who can help you and you know take time out and whatever especially I've found obviously like especially over the weekend one I, one I covered Goodison uh, for Everton versus Newcastle and 
obviously even as a red it was a bit of a like to be at Goodison do you know what I mean for behind closed doors it was kind of a bit surreal but like the amount of messages I got from people you know just from lads from the match who, who I've met through Twitter and, and whatever they're just all top you know just it gives you that bit of encouragement do you know what I mean like it just reminds you that Twitter is actually a decent place at the bottom of it mm. and it can can help you do some good things because like if it wasn't for Twitter I don't think I'd be in this position as mad as it is because it all helps with exposure doesn't it and getting your content out and you know, meeting people and connections and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's a necessary evil, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is it quite difficult then to kind of take your red hat off, you know, being your fan yeah. of the thing and then put yourself into, you know, a professional position? Because that, that's something I kind of touched on when I had uh, James Pierce on the podcast in the yeah. first series. And he said, you know, maybe at first it is quite difficult, but then you just got, you've got to concentrate. Is that something that you're probably like getting... You know? Yeah, I think I think it's just with with everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I've not covered Liverpool yet. Anfield, like the, the men's team, so I've never been like a press box when they scored. Do you know what I mean? So I've never had to control myself. But I think it is. I think you just like look at football as more, you know, a whole and just become a lover of football. If that makes sense. Like I've so my the, the site that I'm accredited for, I head up Sheffield United, so I'm in charge of distributing all the Sheffield United content. You know, doing all that, and you know, even even like going to watch their games and watching their games and, and whatever, it, whether it be at Bramall Lane or on the telly, just kind of like the excitement of watching football again. And just like, you know, I always said that, like, I would never let my job interrupt me going the match, you know, because I always wanted, that's something I always wanted to do. Yeah. But I think in the last couple of years, I've always said I'd be more open to covering different clubs. You know, obviously I'd love it to be Liverpool, but I remember I had a conversation with James Pierce when I was at the, um, the Echo and he said, everyone comes into the Echo or everyone comes into a site like the Echo and they all want to do Liverpool. And he said, the reality is there's probably two or three people who will do Liverpool and they're the, the ones that have been there the longest and they're probably the best. Yeah. I think it was darts he said he was doing. I'm sure it was darts. He said he had to go and cover darts in, in St. Helens, Warrington, Merseyside. And he said, no, I wanted to do it. But, you know, it was his like detour to get to where he is now. And like, for me, that's what I've done, you know, going to Goodison, going to Burnley, going to Bramall Lane, you know, hopefully that puts me in good stead to, to get my own position of, you know, being to, able to cover from Anfield and it's kind of like my my own journey to get there because, you know, you don't just walk up to Anfield, do you, and get in the press box? It's a, it's a long process, but I'm sure, fingers crossed, it'll be one that's worthwhile. So when you're working for the Echo, then you can thank me for coming on the <laughs> <laughs> I'll come and I'll come and do part two if I ever get if I ever get employed. <laughs> so finally, the podcast is centred around going the match. So with every podcast we're doing, I want to end by asking what are the top three favourite matches you've been to or seen? Been spoiled for choice, haven't we? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Madrid a mention, but I'm gonna leave it out because I think that's the easy that's an easy one to do. Yeah. Um, so I'll say the obvious one is is Barcelona. I mean, I don't even think I need to talk about that, but for the sake of this, I will. I mean, were you lucky enough to get over for that? Or I, I didn't get a ticket for that. No, but something that's always struck me with that Barcelona game, and you know, listening to Carragher's podcast, and he's obviously had the players come on and talk about Barcelona. He's had Robertson on Henderson. Yeah. Did you, going up to that game, believe or not? It's a weird one because obviously we're, I think we played Newcastle there. Because we, I'd done the away leg. Um, and honestly, the, at the Newcastle, that was probably one of the best I've ever seen us play. I thought we were absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And to come out there and lose 3-0, it's like, well, it's messy, isn't it? You know, he, he, can, he can hurt you like that. Um, and then I remember, I think Salah got concussed at Newcastle. So Salah was out um, and then Bobby was out. So it was Mane... Shakiri and Origi, wasn't it? Yeah. And 
And then I remember I read something on the morning. It was like, Rian Brewster could be in line to start. And so the lads I was living with at uni, they were like, any chance tonight? And I was like, oh, you know, not a chance. And then my, my mate who I live with now, I was, I was heading out a door. He's like, oh, see you later, whatever. And I said, next time I see you, I said, Champions League finalists. And he was like, yeah, you know, get gone kind of thing. And then I remember one of my mates, he sent me a, a promo video BT had done. And I watched it on the train and it was kind of like the Olympiacos game, the Dortmund game, you know, those kind of Anfield comebacks, St. Etienne. And then I just remember as soon as I finished watching that, I was like, you know what? I was like, we get the first goal here. And, and then it was like, even at half time, it was like every time Messi was running at you, it was like, you know, you think he can do, he can hit you, can't he? And it, was, it wasn't until the second I thought we can do this. But yeah. then it's even at three, uh, even at four nil, if they get one, you've got to get another one on you. So, yeah, I don't think anything will ever top that night. There was just something in the air when, when you got to Anfield, you know, Anfield was, you know, well and truly up for it. Are you, are you kind of glad that you were there for that? Because I remember yeah. when I did the, the Dortmund game in 2016, lucky enough to go to that, and I remember coming out of there, it's something I've always touched on doing this podcast. When you're growing up as a Liverpool fan, you mentioned all the games, the Istanbul set at hand. Yeah. You always want one of them moments for yourself. And when you've got one, it's, it's something you look back on and feel more fondly of, isn't it? Well, I remember, so that Europa League run, I remember it got to Dortmund and for whatever reason... My mum was having none of it that we were going, you know. We had we'd done all like most of the groups and United, whatever, whatever. And then so we were we were first qualifying for the Dortmund tickets. My mum was like, I don't know, whatever reason we, we couldn't go. Um and then I remember it like kind of two, whatever it was, two nil inside ten minutes, thinking, all right, maybe she maybe she saved us a bit of money here, you know. <laughs> and then obviously I remember when Lovering scored, I was sat at home, must have been about 15 at a time, and I was absolutely gutted because I thought they're like a generational thing, aren't they? And Dortmund are a, you know, at the time, you know, they're a solid European side, aren't they? So it was kind of like it was it's, it's the same again. It's kind of you got it that you missed out. Um, but with the Barca one, I never I never really expected it to happen. So when it did happen, it was just kind of in the. I think when the when the ref blew the whistle, you kind of think I've got it, and no one can ever take that away from me, regardless of what happened in Madrid. You know that you've got that, and it's it's something that I'll, I'll bore my grandkids with for eternity. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just the fact that even Messi was playing like the greatest player of all time. Even just to see him in in, in the flesh was bucket list. Yeah, um, yeah, stuff. But yeah, it was, I was so glad to have one of them because you don't know when the next one's going to be, do you? It could be 15, 20 years and, you know, you might miss that for whatever reason. So to have that one, it was it was massive for me, I think, yeah. Um, second match, probably go, um, probably go Bayern Munich away. Uh, that was, yeah. That was that was like I said earlier, um, going to the Allianz. That was something that was just wow. Do you know what I mean? As like a kid growing up watching Champions League, you watch ITV, you watch Clive Tilsley and all them. You listen to them, and you know, to, to, for Liverpool to go to the to the Allianz as favourites and you know absolutely dismantle them in the way they did, um, and that Mane goal, the first one where he sends Neuer for the echo. Do you know, it was just that that whole. The whole kind of game was just fantastic, and the whole trip was fantastic. But for me, that was like that Madrid season. That was a thing. All right, we could win this because it was a proper, yeah, it was a proper laying down a marker. Do you know what I mean? It was a proper. All right, these are, and you know, they've only gone and won the European Cup a year later. Right, they've recruited and they've they've got a different manager, but you know, it's still Bayern Munich, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely that's definitely up there for me. One of the powerhouses, aren't they? The European, yeah, really. And- it's funny that because I did the PSG away. That's yeah, I did that one. Yeah, in the group stage and our in in the group stage, our away. I think we lost every away game. Yeah, it was Red Star Napoli PSG, wasn't it? Yeah, and then we go and do that in Munich. It was like yeah, it was just 
ridiculous. <laughs> um, final one. I'm split here, but I'm going to go Leicester on Boxing Day the other year. Um, the, 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 well, it would have been 2019, wouldn't it? The Trent one. one. And I think it's purely because that Trent goal is my favourite ever goal. I think it's just the fact that he stands there with his arms out in front of the away end and there's bodies going absolutely everywhere. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just one of them. That was a night for me I knew because we had the Club World Cup, didn't we? And um, you know, coming back from that, and Leicester, they weren't on our tail, so to speak, but they were the nearest challengers. Yeah. I think they were a good nine, maybe nine or eight points behind us. So if they win that, it's five points, which makes it a bit nervy. Um, but then to go there after coming back from Qatar and put that performance in, it was just kind of, yeah, the league's done. Do you know what I mean? I think in every league campaign, you have like a a statement win. Do you know what I mean? One that says, all right, yeah, this is, you're, you're going to win it this year. And, and for the, I think that was ours that year. It was... Put the ribbons on. Put the ribbons on it. <laughs> there's no. I don't think there's any better way to finish the podcast than talking about Liverpool in the league, mate. So uh, <laughs> before you go, just a massive thank you for giving me time and coming on. Really appreciate it. No, thank you very much for having me. I've, uh, it's been something I've really been looking forward to uh, since you asked me. So yeah, thank you very much. If you enjoyed that episode and want to keep notified for future episodes, please make sure you subscribe, follow, and share. And of course, leave us a five star rating. You can now follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Go in the Match to keep updated for future episodes and updates on the podcast.